from the Gospel of Luke. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good morning. So our text for this morning is from the Gospel, and our topic is Peter's Epiphany, his first great realization of um, who he had encountered in Jesus. And as you just heard, it didn't go quite as we might expect, right? This wasn't any, um, what, Julie Andrews uh, running across the meadow getting to know you sort of moment, right? This wasn't like a giant warm fuzzy embrace. This was Peter quite literally hitting the deck. It actually reminds me of a time um, when I took, I think it was last year, we took our youngest son, Asher, to go see monster trucks for the first time. Now, if you don't know that those are an absolute staple in my house, in fact, we clear out Target shelves regularly of those things. So if you're looking for them, that's my fault. You can't get any. But um, we decided to take him to see what this was in real life. So we went to uh, this thing called, um, and I'd never done this growing up, but it was a monster truck rally, right? You have these big old machines, and uh, we're walking in with him, and they have them posted out front. And for the first time, you know, they're not so small they can fit in his hand, right? They're however many feet tall that they are. The tires are bigger than daddy, right? And he's looking up at these things, and, you know, what am I dealing with here? And we have these headphones to put on them so the sound won't freak him out, but, you know, he's brave. He's, I think, two at the time, so he's a tough, tough little man. I don't need that, Dad. We go and we sit down, and they fire them up for the first time, and lo and behold, right, his eyes get bigger and bigger, his hands clamp over his ears, he's jumping into Daddy's laps because of the rumble of these machines. Well, why is that? Well, it's because what he had imagined, what he had pictured, what he thought they were was vastly different than what he encountered. And it shocked him. It wasn't what he was expecting. They were, they, were, they were too large, too much for him to handle. And I want to ask you, as we look at this text, have you imagined, have you ever thought and imagined or considered what it would be like for us who have prayed to the Lord and experienced Him in the Eucharist, and experience His presence in prayer, to actually stand naked before His fullness and might. Have you considered, have you wondered about what that would be like to be fully exposed in the presence of the Lord, to be completely overwhelmed by His holiness? Well, that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. Three points for today. We're going to talk about an encounter with God, exposure to God, and an invitation from God. So, encounter with God, exposure to God, and invitation from God. Let's dive in. Uh, in Luke's gospel, to give you some context, Jesus had just begun His public ministry. He had been casting out demons. He'd been healing people, including, by the way, Simon Peter's mother-in-law. And most importantly, He had been preaching God's Word. And at this particular day, he had to preach from a boat, right? Because people kept wanting to crowd him and run up and, you know, surround him. Um, and so he gets in the boat and he goes out to preach. And as soon as he's done, he turns to the fishermen that were with him and he says, go out and cast your nets again. It was kind of a weird request, right? Was Jesus a fisherman? I mean, in the literal sense? No, he was, he was a carpenter. He was a, he was a, he was a uh, Tectone, right? He worked with his hands in some way. And these men were hardened fishermen. But Peter, and, and Peter, if you think about where he is right now, he's been fishing all night. 
Now, has anybody here been fishing all night? You ever go shrimping or anything like that? You fish all night? You are plumb tired, right? You are worn out. He's exhausted. And he's probably cranky, right? Because he's had no luck. And not only is he exhausted and cranky, he's anxious. Because those fish, this wasn't a hobby for him. This was his income. This is how he fed his family. So he is, he is exhausted, he's cranky, he's, he's anxious. But he decides, you know what, I'm going to do it. I'll go out there and I'll do what you say, I'll obey. And as we heard in our text, what happens? Their haul is absurd, right? Now, I don't know if you've um, noted, uh, learned about this, but we actually dug up, I think, I don't know how recently this was, an archaeological find of what a boat looked like then. It was actually a boat on the Sea of Galilee, these were big boats. They were 27 feet long and seven and a half feet wide. And they were able to fill both of the boats to overflowing with fish. This was an enormous catch, a miraculous catch. So let's go ahead and zoom back in on what's going through Peter, right? He was exhausted, he was cranky, he was anxious. But now what? Well, he's not tired anymore, I'll tell you that, right? You wrestle those things and you are wide awake. And he's probably elated, right? He's got his catch. This is the most he's ever seen his entire life. They're fed for months. But then what happens? Well, the text tells us he's terrified. And you can imagine, right? Your stomach drops out. Maybe your knees start, start to buckle a little bit because he turns and he sees the person who is right next to him on the boat and he realizes, you are not who I thought you were. In fact, we even see that in the text. This entire time, Peter's been calling him master, but how does he address him here? Lord, you are not who I thought you were. And then what Peter does is he does what every single person who encountered Jesus or who encounters the Lord in Scripture does. You know what that is, right? Well, John in the book of Revelation, when he saw the Lord, this is what it says, I fell at his feet as though dead. Isaiah encounters with the Lord. We heard that in our first reading. What does he say? Woe is me. I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips. Job, in his encounter with the Lord, he says, Now my eyes have seen you. Therefore I despise myself, and I repent in dust and ashes. And on and on it goes through Scripture. Through scripture. When you encounter the Lord in his fullness, what does Peter do? It says, and Peter fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Well, what do you think is happening here? Is this what you expected your encounter with the Lord to be like? Is this what you've thought about when you've wondered about it? Well, if God is love, as the Bible says, what's going on? Is this some kind of misunderstanding? Well, no. I want you to think about this for a second. When you encounter something that is great, something that is incredible, a superlative, an ideal, you know, at first you're, you're, you're kind of taken with that image, right? I mean, think about this in earthly terms, right? If you encounter somebody who is incredibly intelligent or brilliant or attractive or, you know, tall, fill in the blank, right? Whatever it is, you're like, wow! And then you think, well, I'm I am not that. That is not me. I mean, I gave up being tall when I was 15. That, that was the end of the tra that train for me. You know, but that's, what, but that's what you think. You encounter something brilliant or incredible or intelligent, or something, and you just think, that's incredible, and I'm, I'm not that. 
Which brings us to our second point, exposure to God. So, so Peter's encountered the Lord now, and, and what does this exposure mean? Uh, this past week, I had the good fortune of traveling to St. Petersburg to listen to one of my absolute favorite lecturers, nearly a personal hero. Now, has anybody ever gotten a chance to do that, like meet one of your like, lowercase heroes, or hear somebody lecture or present something, and you're like, this is the guy, um, or girl? Um, well, anyway, I come up, and I, and I meet this person, and, and you know, I'm going to listen to this person. I've read his books, I've listened to his podcasts, and now I have the opportunity to see him in person. And I had arrived early to beat traffic, and I brought a book to kind of pass the time, but then my mind started to wander, right? I'm in a town. This person's in a town. What if we run into each other? Now, what are the odds of that, right? But that's what you think. Like, what if, you know, I go get some food, and he's hanging out getting food. Like, what do you do? What if I run into him before the lecture? What do I say? He's a deep thinker. I'm not that profound. You know, do I have like some kind of like book of wisdom next to me to like read a proverb and, you know, see, me too. No, you know, it's foolishness, right? Do I just go shake his hand and say, hey, I appreciate what you've done? Do I avoid him because I just don't know what I'm going to do? I mean, you know, it didn't happen. But as reflecting on this, I thought, now where on the earth did that insecurity come from? Who was that person that was sweating this? Where did that insecurity come from? That's not me. At least not a me that I would recognize. Well, it was just the mere presence of, in my mind, something of a superlative. Only a lowercase ideal who's a flawed man for certain. But it just made me recognize how, how, how small my gifts were in comparison to even another person. So then if you take that and you expand it out to infinity, Imagine then what it's like to stand in the presence of God. The superlative, the ideal. What do you say? What do you do? How do you approach Him? This, by the way, is partly what it means to say that Jesus is a judge. You know that, right? Because Jesus is a judge. It says so in Matthew 25. He will be the one who judges the living and the dead. But there's also another part of Jesus being the judge that's not an action that He takes. It's just His very nature. To stand in the presence of God is to be judged. Not condemned, but judged. That's just part of who He is. And what's interesting, when you stand in the presence of the judge, of an ideal, what you experience is this tension between an attraction and a repelling, of being drawn in, but there's also a desire to flee. Why? Because you don't know if it's safe. You don't know if, in light of the enormity of the gap between you, that you may just shrink in stature from view and disappear, or worse, that your shortcomings would be made known to everyone. Now, that's a terrifying idea. Imagine everyone knowing your vulnerabilities and your shortcomings and your flaws. So Peter says, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. You know, it's interesting. We were talking in adult forum before this about all these different encounters that people have had with God and what that felt like. And I would say that if someone were to ask you how to know if they've encountered God, it's, you know, like I was golf, you know, Sunday morning I woke up and I decided to go golfing and it was just such a warm and beautiful day and the, the breeze was blowing and, you know, I, just, I was just nailing par all the way down the line like, and God was there with me. You know, and it's like, well, maybe. I mean, God's with us, but the real way that you know if you've experienced God in, in, in a full and complete and enormous sense is, 
know, did he pick you up off the floor? Because it levels you. Which brings us to our third point. What does God do with us when we're exposed like that? Point three, an invitation from God. Let's look back at our text. Peter, seeing Jesus, he's hit the deck, right? Pun intended. It's a genuine encounter with God. All of his vulnerabilities, all his weaknesses, all his sinfulness is exposed. And what does Jesus do? Well, he says to Peter, four words, do not be afraid. Judge though he may be, he had come not to condemn, but to save. That might seem like a small thing, but it isn't. Think about the times that you've been utterly exposed to people, where your vulnerabilities have been shown, when you've been caught in something, and there you are, and people know it. And think about the response in that moment. God, as God, had every right to just level him, didn't he? He's God. That's not what he did. Do not be afraid. He hadn't come to condemn, right? That's John 3, 16. He hadn't come to condemn, but to save. And this is enormously important. In fact, if we live in this reality of how God responds to us when we're laid bare before him, it changes everything about the nature of our relationship with him. Is there anybody else in this room who, when you sin... Or when you, um, when you commit something that you know that nobody else would find acceptable in you, has a tendency to flee or hide or shirk from God, right? To stay in the dark. Anybody, does, that, does that anybody else? You don't want to immediately, like most of us, when we sin, we don't want to immediately offer that before the Lord and expose it to Him and pray. We just kind of want to ignore that and kind of move on with our relationship, right? But I think a part of that is because we don't believe that God's going to respond to us the same way he responds to Peter. But if we live into that, it changes everything about that. Instead of our sin causing us to flee from God, we will bring it to him. You know, every single person in this room, there's a universal, every single person in this room has two desires that strike at the core of your heart. There's two of them, and they're paradoxical. You ready? First one. We want to be fully known and fully loved for who we are. Second one, we want to be rid of our sin and unencumbered by our flaws and to be most truly the person that we were created to be. So here's the paradox. We want to be loved as we are, and yet we do not want to stay as we are, right? Is that not your experience? Well, that's how God approaches Peter. Because Throughout the Bible, after the assurance of do not be afraid, as in I'm not here to condemn you, I can love and meet you where you are, there's an invitation to a new life. Jesus gives this fisherman a new calling. It's a, I'm meeting you where you are, but I'm not going to let you stay where you are. We're going, we're going places. We're moving along. And he says to this fisherman, from now on, you will be catching men. And I want you to see this pattern because it happens throughout Scripture. There's an encounter with God, there's an exposure to God, and there's an invitation. You encounter God, your sins are utterly exposed, and He invites you to a new life, a new purpose, and a new mission, right? I have this painting in my office. Um, it's a print of Caravaggio's. It's uh, The Calling of St. Matthew. Are you familiar with this painting, anybody? And it's a beautiful painting, and it's really meaningful for me. Caravaggio, you know, he was a master of light and of using light to emphasize uh, what it is he was pointing to his painting. In this painting, there's Jesus, and he's standing in the corner in the darkness, only his face is showing in his hand, and his hand is pointing out this way. 
And captured in the beams of this light coming down from the window above Jesus is this table, this den of thieves, these tax collectors who've been robbing and stealing and exploiting their fellow people. And what Jesus is doing is he is pointing and he is calling St. Matthew, the tax collector, to be to himself. And the light falls directly on the face of this bearded man whose face is incredulous about this calling, who's pointing and saying, are you certain? Are you sure? Can it be? And the reason I have that painting on that wall is because it's a reminder that that's my story. Me? And it's Peter's story. And it's probably your story, too, because that's what God does. He takes the unqualified and the disqualified, and He redeems them for His purposes. Look at who He's calling. The first disciples weren't scholars. They were fishermen, and then a tax collector. And then He does, uh, Jesus does eventually recruit a scholar, Paul, but He was also kind of a murderer of early Christians, so maybe not that great, Right? But each of them, after encountering God and and being utterly exposed before Him, they were invited to join a new path, a new purpose, and mission. I mean, that's us. That's what it is to come into God's presence. Now, the exposure part, I'll grant you that. The exposure part is not comfortable, right? You'd rather skip over that part, right? Like, encounter God, be invited to mission. We don't have to deal with all this other stuff, right? I mean, I'd prefer that. I don't know about you. But I want you to think about this. Who would you be if you went on mission without realizing the depth of your own depravity and sin? What kind of person who goes directly from being elevated to a high role and then being sent on mission do you become? That's a great way to become a Pharisee, an inquisitor, or a holier-than-thou crusader, isn't it? Not to live or understand the depths of your own sin and depravity. Would you agree? If God didn't go through the exposure part and lay you bare before Him, you could cause a huge mess. You could do a lot of damage. Because what you would do is you would begin correcting the flaws in others happily and trying to mold them into your image because you believe you're the ideal and not Christ. Right? It'd be a huge mess. But God is the ideal, not you and me. And our call, just as was the call of Christ, the one that he gave to Peter, is that we are to let God do the shaping and the molding of people into his image. Our primary purpose as the church, and I don't want us to forget this, is to point people to Jesus Christ, to invite him into this place, to encounter his presence, so that he can do the job of changing their hearts, and then that they may be sent forth to preach his word, to bring others before his presence. Who changes, who shapes, who molds, and to what image? It's all God's work. And our role of Christians is to bring people before His presence. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, though You have every right to smite us, to burn us away to nothing, to uh, rid Yourself of us, I thank You that instead You reach down to us and You command us not to be afraid. that you pull us up into your presence, that you set us on a new path and a new mission. I pray that you would continue to transform our hearts so that we may become the people who are sent out and point other people to you to experience the same transformation. 
Father, you are gracious to us, and we are grateful for you. In your Son, Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to our Trinity Episcopal Church podcast. To find out more about the work God is doing through Trinity, visit us online at trinitybureau.org and follow us on Facebook.